Your breathing has become erratic. A torg for your thoughts? Elder, are you content with me? Of course. Why would I not be? Now, I would like to enter my slar face. Let us suppose for some reason my life functions ceased. What would you do? I would incinerate your carcass in the tradition of Obadar the Obtuse and put it in a clean, dry place. Would you find a new Ginetto mate to bring to our guest chamber and propagate? Ah, my most precious one. I would collapse. I would draw the shades and I would live in the dark. I would never get out of my slar pad nor clean myself. My fluids would coagulate, my cone would shrivel, and I would die, miserable and lonely. The stench would be great. Well, Beldar, you have made me very happy. Yes, I know. Good night. Life on Earth is good. I agree. Stability and contentment have been achieved. Welcome to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, or tonight, should we say, greetings. Greetings. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Tonight we have another misunderstood and much maligned movie in the vein of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the movie that we covered last week here on the Late Night Fright. We like to be champions of the underdog. All right, exactly. And and we're going to champion a movie tonight that is a little bit of an underdog, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome to the show. As I said, right now you could be eating a ghost pepper and watching Celebrity Big Brother, but you chose instead to be here with us. Now, good choice, Faith. <laughs> given the choice between eating a ghost pepper or watching Celebrity Big Brother, which would you choose? Uh, I think watching Big Brother would be more painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honest. so you'd go with the ghost pepper. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Uh, that's what I'm saying. All right, there you go. <laughs> Well, we have one. I I really I'm gonna say it right here at the front. I really love tonight's movie. I do. Too. I, I love it. It's more on the sci-fi kick than the horror kick, and it's it's nothing horrific about it to some critics when it came out, and still today they think of it as horrific. I I don't think it's horrific. I think it's on what a level? Really, uh, you know, critics they're all from France. I am confused. The movie tonight kind of comes from France. Faith, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about. Coneheads. From 1993, based on the Saturday Night Live sketch from the original five-year first run, this thing here comes from the mind of Dan Aykroyd. It could only come from the mind of Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) So we have a little bit of a history uh, of the of the characters and the, and the film. We're going to play that, and we will see you on the other side to get into the question of is this movie as bad as a lot of people say it is. No, it's not. Faith's shaking her head. It so it's not. There you go. We'll see you right on the other side of this. After the massive success of the Wayne's World feature film, 
Paramount Pictures contacted Saturday Night Live producer Lorne Michaels about adapting more of the comedy show sketches into motion pictures. Michaels contacted Dan Aykroyd and Tom Davis, the creators of the Coneheads, about bringing the conical scold aliens from Rimulac to the big screen. The Coneheads originally premiered on the January 15, 1977 episode of Saturday Night Live. Aykroyd played family patriarch Beldar, Jane Curtin was his wife Primat, and Lorraine Newman was their teenage daughter Connie. The humor of the sketches revolved around the alien character's manner of speech, strange appearance and behavior, and the casual acceptance of these oddities by their neighbors and associates. The Conehead family would usually attribute their odd behavior to being from France, which raised the ire of some in France, but what do they know? They come from France. Ackroyd was inspired by the statues of Easter Island, which feature elongated skulls, the aliens in the classic sci-fi film This Island Earth, and the people from the land of points in Harry Nielsen's fable The Point. Legend also has it that he was smoking a joint one night while his TV was on the fritz, making all of the actors' heads appear elongated. Whatever the conceptual origin, aliens with elongated skulls who speak in a peculiar dialect trying to blend in the suburbs could only come from the mind of Dan Aykroyd. Rankin Bass produced an animated Conehead special in 1983 which featured Aykroyd, Curtin, and Newman reprising their roles, and much of the material in the animated special made it into the feature film. Directed by Steve Barron from a screenplay by Tom Davis, Dan Aykroyd, Bonnie Turner, and Terry Turner, Coneheads premiered on July 23, 1993, and was a critical and box office disaster. Michelle Burke replaced Lorraine Newman as Connie. Newman would appear in the film as a Conehead aunt. The film also featured many veterans of Saturday Night Live, including Michael McKean, David Spade, Chris Farley, Phil Hartman, Adam Sandler, Garrett Morris, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, John Lovitz, Tim Meadows, and Julia Sweeney. Michael Richards, Jason Alexander, Dave Thomas, and Sinbad also appear. What do critics know? Most of them come from France. All right, here we go. Coneheads, 1993. It can only come from the mind of Dan Aykroyd. Faith, is this movie as bad as the critics of the time made it out to be? It made, like, no money when it came out. It, that it, They badmouthed this movie to no end. And some people still badmouth this movie. So what do you think of the movie? This, this has become one of my personal favorite movies the more I watch it. I mean, I am so honestly mind blown that this movie is, you know, people think it's that bad. I don't understand. I don't either. <laughs> I don't get I, it. I, I really don't understand it either. Uh, we're going to get into why we why we love it so much. Let's talk oh, about... I've got some reasons. I have some reasons too. Let's talk about what it is. It's a movie about a family and it's right. and they just happen to be from the planet Rimulac. You know, and it, it's it's this really sweet, heartwarming story, and this is uh, this is one of the best love stories I've ever seen, and I'm I saying know. that with no trace <laughs> of irony. Like, they they are some really sweet characters, and and what makes this movie so funny, and we hit on it in the little history segment, is 
you know, it's the way they talk. It's the, it's the way that they look. And it's the fact that no one around them is even kind of acknowledging, you know, the strangeness, (laughs) you know, the neighbors, I love the little scene with the neighbors, the Farbers, Jason Alexander, uh, plays Larry Farber and, um, his wife is, is named Bobby. And, you know, they, she, uh, Primat says something about, you know, we're going to ignite our new fire pit this weekend in char mammal flesh and, and Bobby's <laughs> just, I'll make coleslaw because they know what they mean. It, there, it's there's like this, it's so normal. There's this, there's this really unique tone that the movie has, you know, and it really sticks to the tone. And I think that the secret of the tone comes from the two performers who are in the lead. We have Dan oh, yeah. Aykroyd and we have Jane Curtin. We've talked about Dan Aykroyd at length on this show. We've done Ghostbusters. We did Nothing But Trouble. Nothing But Trouble, such a strange little movie. We called that kind of Aykroyd. Uh, what, what did we, it, like Aykroyd's Fever Dream or something? Yes, like, I think that's exactly like what we Aykroyd called it. Like Aykroyd Unleashed. There was no quality control. There was, there was no editing. It was just, we're going to do this movie. And to me, that's like Aykroyd, you know, just at full tilt boogie. Yes. Uh, we did uh, Ghostbusters 2 as well. Mm-hmm. And we covered Ghostbusters Afterlife. Not in it that much, but makes quite an impact in that yes. movie and is very good in it. And uh, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, please check that out. That's well worth your time. So we've talked about him, and uh, I think our credentials as being Ackroyd fans is pretty well established at this point on the show. And there's, for my money, there's no one like him. Oh, not, not There's at no all. one like him. There's no one with the interest in the paranormal in the UFOs uh, that has that particular personality, that particular writing style, that particular style of delivery. Right. It, it is it is quintessentially Ackroydian. That's a great word. I think I just coined a phrase here did. on I this show, it. Ackroydian. <laughs> I've mentioned it before. I have written uh, myself. I've I've written screenplays and and things of that nature and there's an element of Ackroyd in certain things that I do and you know growing up watching those movies it's hard to get away f- from that right. you know because I gravitated towards it and I count him as a huge influence on me and then his band with his friend John John Belushi for all of you out there uh the Belushi Brothers is, has been another just massive influence on me so this guy this guy has influenced me from a oh, very right, yeah. early age. So we've we've talked about him. Jane Curtin uh, has won many Emmys in her life. She was on a she was one of the original Not Ready for Primetime players along with Dan Aykroyd. She then went on to a very successful TV career on a television series called Kate and Allie that was on when I was a child. I used to watch it. It came on Monday nights, I believe it was on CBS, but she won three or four primetime Emmy Awards in a row for Best Actress. Oh, wow. She was then uh, on a show called Third Rock from the Sun, which borrows a lot of the premise from the Coneheads. Mm -hmm. That might be because Bonnie and Terry Turner, who are co-writers on this, created that show, might have a little something to do with it. And she pops up here and there, you know, all the time, and she's always a welcome presence. I'm a huge fan of Jane Curtin. And I just don't think this movie works without the two of them. They commit so. so wholeheartedly to what they are doing. And the thing is, I'm so familiar with them and their work. They completely disappear. <laughs> I, I don't really see do. Dan Aykroyd. I don't, I don't see Elwood Blues. I don't see <laughs> Dr. Ray Stans. Uh-huh. I don't see Erwin uh, Mainway from Saturday Night Live. And I think that's a testament to what a good actor he is. So let's start with Ackroyd. What do you think of the Ackroyd performance? Because it is pretty amazing. 
It really is. And I feel like that's, he's such a huge part why I love this movie. He's funny. He's sweet. There's so many good qualities coming from him that make this movie what it is. Like I said, I think that's, he's, him and her are really a key element to why I love this movie so much. And the humor doesn't work without him because no. of the, as we said, the distinctly Ackroydian delivery that he has. That the, These characters just have this, this so it's so distinctly strange manner mm-hmm. of not only speaking but behaving. And so it's all body language and then spoken language. And I don't know of any actor who could handle it the way that he does. You know, think about... No. The great scene for me, for my money, the great Aykroyd scene is in Ghostbusters 1984 when Gozer, uh, when he approaches Gozer mm-hmm. and tells her to leave. That to me is like, you want to understand Aykroyd? There you go. Mm-hmm. You know, there right. you go. <laughs> you could also listen to uh, one of his uh, spiels on the Blues Brothers album Made in America during the Green Onions uh, tune where he talks about American music and, and, it, it, distinctly Aykroydian, and this doesn't work without him. He created this, though, so he he gets it. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, but it's one thing for a creator to get it, and then you have someone else, and you have to like translate that vision, you know? Exa- exactly. And exactly. Then there's Jane Curtin, you know, and Jane Curtin. If you watch the original Saturday Night Live, she was always the one that kind of seemed on top of things. You know, she was the one that didn't do drugs. She she <laughs> she was happily married. You know. Hasn't had a bad life, you know? <laughs> right. And and uh, and then you have Jane Curtin come in, and oh my God, this steals works. steals the movie She steals, much. yes. The physicality of Jane Curtin as Primat is just unreal. She Watch this movie and notice that she doesn't bend her knees. <laughs> it's amazing. The woman does not <laughs> bend her knees, and what she does with her eyes and her eyebrows, you know, and... <laughs> And she gets so much out of reactions. Just if you if you watch the movie, we've seen it several times together now. Mm-hmm. But watching her, you know, while while you know what's happening on the left side of the screen, so you kind of just focus on her and these little reactions, like it's amazing. It is. And they're in character the entire time. They are one hundred percent in character. <laughs> I know the entire time, and that's what makes this this work. And they're so weird and odd, but there's this unique sweetness to them. That's like I said. I think that's why I enjoy it because you have that weird, not sure what's going on here, but then it's like they're so sweet and they're funny and they're charming. Yeah, (laughs) and you just feel this like connection with them or something. I don't know. You you really, you really do. Well, you hit the nail on the head. You feel connected with them. So let's talk about why we feel connected with them because they are living the American dream. Exactly, and. If you're listening out there, maybe you're currently living the American dream. Maybe you immigrated here and are living the American dream. But guess what? Somebody in your family line came here and lived the American dream. Yeah. You know? Nope. And and I think that's what's so special about this and so universal. And, yeah, universal, I know, because they come from another planet <laughs> in the universe. You know, a little bit of a pun. But I think that's what's so universal about it is that they, they come to this new place. Everybody's felt like a stranger. They start to assimilate in. And what I love is that they assimilate into the culture without losing themselves. They are so distinctly conehead. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the same time... They, they become so distinctly like us, too, because they start taking on our customs, mm-hmm. you know, and the blending is really beautiful. And maybe that's one of the things that the movie is saying is that right. there can be this really beautiful blend 
where, you know, uh, the individual doesn't lose himself or herself to the whole, but the whole doesn't become that individual. You know, we can all right. just kind of coexist, you know, in this, in this beautiful place. I love it. And then the other thing too, it's a family, it's a family movie. It's a family movie about a family. And it's, what I love is this guy who is a conqueror of worlds. This is what he <laughs> he he has uh, uh, been. His life has been leading to is conquering the earth. Right, he is going to lead the battle cruisers of Remulac to the earth and take it over, take over the blunt skulls. And yet we see him thrust into the role of father of a teenage cone in this case. <laughs> And one of my favorite scenes is when he's driving Connie and her friends to the mall. Oh, yes. And they're listening to Tainted Love by Soft Cell. And that look on his face just says it all. <laughs> <laughs> that that look where he's just miserable. <laughs> this guy, this, this conqueror of worlds is now driving his daughter to the mall with her friends. But it's just, I think it's those little things that I think everybody can relate to. You know? Right, and, exactly. And, and they have their love story, and Primat is worried that he's going to have eyes for someone else. Mm-hmm. And we played it right there at the beginning of the show, and it's one of my favorite scenes. That is one of the most romantic scenes, for real. I'm not being funny or ironic. No, no. It is so genuinely romantic and sweet. I know. And I don't know anyone who wouldn't want to hear that. And it's like, it's them at the same time, too. It's you so know? in character it's with them. It's not just like... Let's say some generic thing that every other yeah. person says. It's it's them. And there's no there's no irony with it, you know. <laughs> right. What did you think of Michelle Burke as Connie? She took over for Lorraine Newman, who played her on Saturday Night Live when they did the skits. Let me say this about the skits. This movie, which was co-written by Tom Davis, uh, as we said, Bonnie and Terry Turner came in after Aykroyd and Tom Davis, but Tom Davis wrote this wrote the skits with Aykroyd on Saturday Night Live. And the historical elements from the Saturday Night Live skits are very much intact here because Connie dated a boy on Saturday Night Live named Ronnie. Bill Murray played Ronnie there. Chris Farley plays Ronnie. You had the Farbers who lived next door. John Belushi and Gilda Radner played the Farbers. So there's little things, you know, they were very conscientious that, you know, the world they had established on the show, they... You know, they with it, they yeah. continued with it here. And I believe that the uh, INS agent played by Michael McKean uh, was an IRS agent with the same name played by Steve Martin in one of the skits. So okay. they were very kind of conscientious about the history that they had established with the characters, which I think is, like is that, really yeah. kind of cool. And Lorraine Newman does indeed make a cameo in the movie. And mm-hmm. I <laughs> <laughs> They're great seats, right? <laughs> she's she's the aunt with Phil Hartman talking about the great seats when he's narfling the Garthok or garfling the Nar. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but uh, what do you think of Michelle Burke as Connie? Because she kind of makes for me the movie work because she grounds them and she's a child of Earth. That. You know, yeah. what do you think of Michelle? No, I like her a lot. Like like you said, I do feel like she grounds them, and I feel like I don't know. She's got that kind of teen movie vibe going on you know totally, like our movie yeah. teen vibe I, totally, yeah. I don't know i like her a lot and if uh if you if you possess the eye of an eagle <laughs> some of us here try to possess the eye of the tiger but <laughs> if you possess the eye of an eagle you will notice that joey lauren adams and parker posey play her friends mm-hmm. in the movie and they all appeared in the movie days to confuse which is a great movie if you haven't seen yes. that which came out later 
in 93 or early 94. So they, it's kind of like they went from this and then they went, mm-hmm. you know, into days and confused. And, uh, that's a great movie, but, uh, so a lot of 90s cinema, you know, is, is right, right there, you know, especially Parker Posey, who's still working. I mean, still pretty relevant and mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Parker Posey fan. I like, I like her quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, it's a great performance. It's a great sympathetic performance because you, you, you can kind of feel where she's coming from, you know, right. with this. Okay. Now she gets paired off with Chris Farley, the late, great Chris Farley, who died at 33 years of age, just like Dan Aykroyd's pal, John Belushi. Uh, what did you think of Farley? I'm a fan of Farley. I think Farley oh, I was him. very funny. Farley had a uniquely I was going to say, he's, Farley he's a thing. very unique presence on, on screen. And what did you think of, of their little love story? Because I like their I little like love it story, too. Because they're weird. I don't know. They're... They're not a typical pairing, I would yeah. imagine, but I like it. It works. <laughs> right, right. This movie, let me just say this. We watched this several months ago. I introduced it to Faith, and we just, it was kind of one of the things where we went, well, let's do that on the show. And it makes sense because we've got sci fi there in the name of the yeah, show. It's a so no brainer. So we can get away with it. <laughs> and. We watched it again, but what's ha- what happens is every time that I watch it, and now she's seen it twice, is we start talking like them. <laughs> like, I've been walking around going, Mibs, Mibs. Mibs. Uh, correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. And they have their own, they have their little things, you know, these, their little personality quirks, and I love it. I love, But I love the way that she interacts with her parents. And I do, too. You know, she has a little decal on her cone, and he says, Mibs, Mibs, what did you do to your cone? And he goes, nah, and she, nah, like back at him, you know, <laughs> kind of making gentle fun of him. You know, it's 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 really sweet. And and what Primat this, sitting over there with her eyes, Primat, and it's just... Primat is... It's I'll, just so good. I fall more and more in love with Jane Curtin in this movie. Every time I watch it, she just... <laughs> really steals the movie for she me. She really does. She's amazing in this. And it's I, I think it's I think this movie is criminally underrated. I think it's sitting at a twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes and just really got eviscerated when it you came people out. People are crazy. And I don't <laughs> get it. I really don't, I don't get either. it. I really don't get it. And I we'll talk about favorite moments kind of when we wrap oh, up. Boy. Because there's so many, you know, it's an hour and a half. Oh it's my it's all of them. God. But um so it's a family movie. It's a family movie. But it's also got an anti-authoritarian streak in it. And this goes back to the days of Second City. And this goes back to the days of John Belushi coming into the Second City. And Harold Ramis, the late, great Harold Ramis. And God bless him. He, 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 that man's body of work is legendary. And again, see Ghostbusters Afterlife. for <laughs> Yes. If you're Harold, especially if you're a Harold Ramis fan. But... Uh, the history goes, Second City, before Belushi got there, was kind of more of an esoteric, uh, elitist form of comedy. And then Belushi comes in and brings the man-in-the-street persona and the anti-authoritarian vibe, the anti-war vibe. Because remember, this is the early 70s. Vietnam is going on. So he's the guy off the street who just doesn't want to go to Vietnam and wants to kind of flip the finger to the institutions, which for my money need, they need the finger flipped at them. Oh yes. So you Belushi and we're, and we're talking, there's a specific reason why we're talking about him. 
So Belushi then is kind of the linchpin where modern American comedy, even today, you know, from from 50 years ago, still today, mm-hmm. which brings together Harold Ramis and brings together Bill Murray and brings together Dan Aykroyd and brings together that first original cast of Saturday Night Live. Okay, well, think about the movies that these people made. Animal House, Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, okay? Snobs versus slobs. Us versus them, right? And it's always the bureaucratic governmental figure who is the villain. If you think about Dean Wormer and Animal House, that's a stand-in for Richard Nixon, okay? Caddyshack, you've got the elites and you've got the you've got the haves and the have-nots, and the have-nots triumph, you know, at the end. And so there's a real anti-authoritarian streak in this. And I've said this before on the show, and I'm going to say it again. If you want to understand how times have changed, watch the 2016 version of Ghostbusters, okay? In the 1984 Ghostbusters, that's a movie about guys going into business. They're trying to keep their business afloat. They're trying to keep it solvent. That is a big part of that movie. And who's the bad guy? It's the EPA. It's the government. In the 2016 movie, it, it killed me when I watched it. Uh, Cecily Strong, I believe is her name from Saturday Night Live, comes in at the end and says, the government has agreed to fund your work for five years. And I'm going, the original yeah. Ghostbusters would never have gone for never. that. Never. <laughs> never have gone for that. So so how times have changed. But here in this movie, though, the, the villain is the government yes. and it's Michael McKean and David Spade as, as the INS agents, you Isn't know, the government always the villain. The though? government is always the villain. We'll talk about that in just a second, but I love that aspect of it that as, as warm and cuddly as this is that there's still that streak of no, you're, you're the bad guys, you know, you're the suits. Right. The suits. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to keep, they're trying to kick them out, kick them out. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to kick them out. And this is not going to be a discussion about immigration, legal and illegal. But these people have come here. They're, you know, they're settled, you know, and, and, and it is a little difficult for them because of where they're from, you know. From but, France? Uh, no. <laughs> well, they do. Yeah, they, they do indeed come from France. But it, it's I love that aspect of this. I, I really, really love that aspect of it. I love uh, you know, that it's, uh, that it's saying something, you know, comedy, you know, funny, silly is always going to be funny. Funny will always be funny. Most of the time, funny's in the eye of the beholder, but when you, when you can get something this funny and it's funny to us, I know it's funny to a lot of other people too, but, uh, when you get something this funny, that means something that's, that's really good. You're hitting on all, on all cylinders. So, yes. As we've uh, gotten into 2022, one of the things that we've started to do here on the show is we talk about the movie, give you our thoughts on it, and you know maybe get you to think about some things you didn't think about before with it. Um, but then we kind of get into some esoteric stuff or try to apply some real-world stuff, especially what's going on now, because you don't need us to tell you how weird it is. If uh, you have eyes and ears, you know how weird it is out there right now. And uh, there's a real sense of separation right now. It's m- more separated than it's ever in my than it's ever been yeah. in my lifetime. Oh, you yeah. know, it, it definitely feels that way. And with certain things, with certain topics, a lot of a lot of certain a lot of topics have, fractured families they've it's fractured families it's fractured friendships you know 
it's it's weird and difficult out there. So I want to talk about something. What I originally wanted to talk about, I was going to talk about aliens, and I was going to talk about aliens visiting Earth, and I was going to talk about this 1981 meeting that Ronald Reagan had with the then head of the CIA, William Casey, I believe. And I had, I had been listening to this on Linda Moulton Howe's uh uh, YouTube show and and they identified five species of aliens like that they've made contact with and one of them was being very open one of them was very hostile like so I was going to talk about that like are aliens among us so very quickly Faith do you think aliens are among us yes so do I but then I I stumbled upon something I've mentioned Gaia last week the great streaming service and Faith you're 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 hip to Gaia you like Gaia yes. don't you yes yes I do so I'd mentioned uh, Gaia, and funny enough, then this, you know, there are no coincidences in life. Nope. And this this comes across, there's a show on the Gaia streaming service. It's called Open Minds with Regina Meredith. Now, what you're going to be looking for is season 21, episode four. Her guest is Tiffany Barsati, and it's called Overcoming Minocide. And we just watched it. And Faith, what did you think of this? I mean... It, it's this is what it sounds like when doves cry, right? Yeah, it's refreshing to to hear other people talk about things that in know. a candid uh, discussion in, in in a dialogue, a real dialogue, right. you know, uh, an exchange of ideas, yes. and not an and echo not be, chamber. Yeah, and it's not information just being fed to you. You know, that's not accurate. Right. So. <laughs> Menticide is what they talk about. Overcoming menticide is the name of the episode. And menticide is something I was not familiar with. I was not familiar with this concept. Me either. This was developed by uh, Juist Marlou. What's his name? I believe he was Dutch. Uh, look up menticide. He, he came up with this. And he came up with this around the advent of television. And he saw television as this way of brainwashing the masses. And he was not for it. He was against it. And he coined this term. And really what it comes down to as menocide is this virus of the mind. It's, it's a decay of the mind. And what it does, it's gaslighting, if you're familiar with gaslighting. And what it does is it basically kind of takes away your ability to think, to think critically, it does this yes. and it instills fear in you. Mm -hmm. And there's this idea I picked up recently uh, on the, uh, on a podcast they were talking about Watiko and Watiko uh, is this idea that there's a virus of mind and it's fear. And this thing gets inside of you and it feeds on your fear. And how do you get rid of Watiko? Well, you become aware of Watiko and you don't feed it. Kind of sounds like Nancy turning her back on Freddie, doesn't it? It you sure don't, does. You don't feed it anymore. Right. You know? And so they talk about menocide and how do you get rid of menocide? Well, you, be, you get in touch with who you really are, your true self, your true creative self. That's that's pretty powerful stuff because when you're true to yourself, you're using discernment. And if you're using your discernment, nothing can confuse you. Nope. You know? No. One of the other things that they talk about is creating a parallel society. And I'm bringing this up because I think this is something. If you haven't, I hadn't heard of this. I think everyone needs to get familiar with this, especially with what's happening right now around the world, and 
might be happening in your own family. It might be happening in your own house. Yeah. Get familiar with this. Look this up. Do some research on this. Uh, uh, let us know what you find. If you uh, late night fright podcast at gmail.com endlessly fascinating, but I do believe that this equates back to the cone heads. I don't think that they meant to do this. I, I, at least I, uh, I was going to say, I mean, maybe it's coming from Dan Aykroyd. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But if you look at what Beldar does, Beldar actually, you know, the, the race of cones, you know, they're about conquering, conquering, conquering. They're going to conquer all these planets and conquer earth. And yet Beldar becomes true to himself because what he becomes, what it turns out he really is, is a husband and a father. And an earth man is really what right. he is. He takes on our customs of golf, you know, and these things. And the golf is what saves him at the end of the movie. And we have to say this. Uh, the Garthunk at the end is a very much a Ray Harryhausen looking oh, yes. creature. And what a lovely, it's, it's I, so I love awesome. Ray Harryhausen. But he, 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 it's not that he turns his back on his culture, but he becomes true to himself. Exactly. And that's pretty powerful stuff. That's heroic stuff. That's heroic stuff. It is. Again, I don't know if they meant to do that, but it's it's a really it's a really great character beat for him, and mm-hmm. and he would rather have his family and be in and stability and contentment, you know. And, yes. and I mean, he's never going to see his home planet again. He's here on Earth now, and I love that. I think it's I really, really wonderful. It's a really sweet movie. Yeah, oh, I love it. And I think there's a lot more going on under the surface, and. And it's worth a watch and definitely, definitely not as bad as people like to make it out to be. Oh, absolutely not. I'm still I'm still confused over here. I'm confused about it too. <laughs> so well, we're gonna take a very short break. This is a news break. We have a special news person with us. News for this. person. News person. Announcer. News announcer, news announcer, and uh, we're going to see if we can't figure out why people think this movie is so bad. So here you go. Here's all the fake news not fit to print. We will see you on the other side. May I have 358 words with you? Greetings, native inhabitants of the third planet in the system of Sol. I am Beldar Conehead, timekeeper of the planet Rimulac with the top happenings and goings-on for the current planetary time cycle. A rebellion on the third moon of Neatzor by Corbomite miners was quickly quashed in the manner of the third global triumvirate of the second age. To you blunt skulls, that means the miners wanted two 15-minute time cycle cessations or breaks throughout their workday. Their current seven-minute break has been shortened to five. It is useless to question authority, as you will learn when the cruisers of Rimulac invade your Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> Young cones have been honing their cones alone at a rate that would stagger the fleet marps of Beta Zekistan. Concerned parental units of the planet Rimulek would be well advised to inform their teenage cones that honing of the cone alone will lead to the cessation of sight and the abnormal growth of mammalian hair follicles on the anterior part of the hand located superficially to the metacarpus. The trim rods of Mopda should be a most glorious sight this year. According to the most high science advisor to the high command, I, Beldar, plan to attend the seven-cycle mating ritual along with my mate, Parmat. It has been known to increase the level of arousal in my Genetto mate and has made for most enjoyable and somewhat excruciating honing in the Slar Chamber. I will enjoy it. In conclusion to the top happenings and goings-on in the current planetary cycle, I wish to extend my most sincere congratulations to my neighbor, Larry Farber, who was once again voted the top salesman of women's commercial hair dryers 
at his Women's Commercial Hair Dryers Distribution Center. When my people invade and conquer the blunt skulls, he will be on the protected list. He has been a quiet and conscientious neighbor, and his wife Bobby makes a most digestible quesadilla suitable for consuming in mass quantities. Until the turning of the tides of Flindor, I am Beldar Conehead, and these have been the happenings and goings on for the current planetary cycle. Get away, I've got to uh, run away. <laughs>
in the heart valve chamber, in the, feel, yes, <laughs> in the blood valve chamber, the we blood should say. Valve I, I honestly, though, I think maybe my favorite bit in the movie is is what we open the show with. I think that is so romantic and so sweet, and their relationship is really is really really wonderful. And even though it's alien, it's real. There, there's right. a realness to this movie that's it's so grounded and real yet so. It's out like there yeah, it's almost time. like you can just overlook the cone heads, you know, and and they're so like you said, they're so true to themselves, and that's yeah. that's what's so beautiful about it. Yeah, I uh, I do like the Paul Simon Kodachrome, the the little family home movie section, you know. And the thing that's cool too about this movie is it's kind of three movies in one. You get them, you know, crash landing on Earth, you know, and and kind of starting to build a life, and then you get the family life, and then you go to Remulac. So. It's right. really it's it's three really cool movies in one. You've got a great cast here, and I. Uh, it's really it's become one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I, I, same it's here, so enjoyable. Same here, same here, and I, and it can only really come from the mind of of Dan Aykroyd. You know, <laughs> exactly. aliens blending in in the suburbs. So, uh, if I can make any suggestion to you, uh, check out uh, what we mentioned about Menticide. If you have the uh, means to. Uh, get on the Gaia streaming service. Check out Open Minds with Regina Meredith. They have a lot of great programming on there. I'm, we're not getting anything from this. We're not, they're not a sponsor here. But if you are into alternative media, and isn't it a shame that truth is alternative these days? Uh, but if you're into alternative media, researched, okay? These people are not just, you know, screaming things at right. the top of their lungs. No, this, they're, they're researched. If you're into esoteric things, if you're into UFOs, if you're into whole food cooking, if you're into yoga, if you're into things left of center, if you're into things that the mainstream just doesn't talk about. There's a show I'm loving right now called Microdose, which gets it's like seven to ten minute segments on different things. The first one was on out of body experiences, astral projection. The second one was on is on chakras. So really, really interesting stuff. And, and it'd be well worth your, your time and money. It's a great investment, but overcoming menticide open minds with Regina Meredith season 21 episode four with Tiffany Barsati. I think it's, it's uh, worth the watch. It's worth the watch. And I think you're going to find a lot of answers. If you have questions, you might find some answers there. So Really, really, yes, really worth it. So. But, uh, Coneheads, definitely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. So we've done two science fiction movies here. We did a science fiction series. We opened up the year with The Invaders, and we did Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and that movie is still sitting with me. I think about that movie regularly since we've watched it. Me and too, that's a actually. movie that asks a lot of questions. Coneheads has a lot of fun, but also has a lot to say. And we figured we're a horror and sci-fi movie podcast, so it's time that you know we do a horror movie. Because why not? Because why not? <laughs> so we're going to do the Sam Raimi film Drag Me to Hell with Justin Long and Allison Lohman. This came out uh, about 10 or so years ago. I don't have a date on it in front of me, but uh, we it passed us by for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. And I believe got really good reviews and was kind of a big deal because Sam Raimi went back to his roots of of horror you know kind of doing a pure horror film yeah and sam raimi uh is getting ready to make a big splash this summer summer of 2022 with dr strange and the multiverse of madness i just saw the preview for this and uh i know this is kind of a direct sequel to the spider-man no way home movie which we haven't seen yet but 
uh, this looks to be Marvel's first kind of out and out horror film, and yeah. <laughs> I, it looks interesting. Right, looks very Lovecraftian. Uh, the creatures that I was seeing in this thing look like something out of H.P. Lovecraft. So this very intriguing. This could be very cool. Yeah, this could be very cool. I don't know. You know, uh, depends on on how how much to the canon they want to stick. You know. I've, I've, I've found that the Marvel movies are more hit for me when they're able to get away from the established formula and canon and kind of do something, you know, on their own. So this right. should be really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to drag me to hell, too. So. I am, too. So, well, we hope that you are having a very happy and healthy uh, day, week, year. And that bump you heard was my notes hitting the floor, which is... I- I feel like this is a this is a thing with you though. Like you used to have like loose paper and you would just it would always drop. You drop them it's, all the time. It's, it's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my thing. Uh, we had mentioned recently some things that we're going to do coming up. We're going to hit the Night Stalker and Night Strangler. That's, Finally, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Cole Shack uh, starring Darren McGavin. They hit the two TV movies, and we're going to do the Back to the Future trilogy, which I'm looking forward to doing. Um, Great villain in that with Biff Tannen. The great Thomas F. Wilson is in that. We are going to do Neighbors starring Dan Aykroyd and his late great buddy John Belushi. That was John's last film. 40th anniversary of John Belushi's passing is coming up. So we're going to try and do that for for his passing. It's a very dark comedy thriller. I haven't and- seen it. And it's been years since I've seen it, so I, I so whew, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to find. <laughs> and uh, there's talk of possibly, maybe, for the 40th anniversary of Belushi's passing, and we just lost Ivan Reitman, who did Ghostbusters and produced Animal House and directed Meatballs and Twins and all, all kinds of great movies. Uh, we might do Animal House for the two of them for, for, for Belushi's 40th week. Because why not? It's our show. And in case you... We can do whatever we want. In case you can't show. tell, I, I, we're Belushi fans. Here <laughs> Just a little Just bit. Just a little bit. Just a little Just bit. Just a little bit. He himself was part of that original Saturday Night Live cast. So, Drag Me to Hell is up next. I would I would like to thank all of you for tuning in. I hope that you're well and, and, and stay safe and stay sane out there and use your discernment and follow your heart's calling that will never lead you wrong if i if i learned anything from watching the program about menocide if you listen to your heart you will never go wrong and you will not be confused you know confusion always comes from the outside it never comes from the inside so be good to yourself be good to your neighbor we are all in this together and as bob wilkins used to say watch horror movies keep america strong it's perfect. It's perfect, isn't it? Faith, does it feel like it's that time? It does. Correct. It does. <laughs> All right, real quick. What's your favorite? What's your favorite conehead phrase? Oh, that's hard. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mibs. I like Mibs. I say Mibs quite a quite I, a bit. I caught myself I've, saying I've, it a few a few times the other day. I was like Mibs. I'm I like, also oh, wait. <laughs> I'm also very fond of. Uh, may I have fifty five words with you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say that before however many words I say. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I like the charred mammal flesh. That's pretty funny. Oh, uh, also like, and I know you're a fan of it. Uh, say, uh, curdled extract of hoofed, 
of hoofed animals. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> That's another great thing in the movie that the characters around him kind of pick up on what they're talking about. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and my God, could Dan Aykroyd put some waffles into his mouth? <laughs> he eats them ego. <laughs> so watch it. Listen. Uh, we were talking about you know how confusing times are. This is a great movie to put on and 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 kind of forget some of your troubles. Exactly, it's it's really really well <laughs> done and funny. So, all right, let us see. Can we make the magic happen? If we snap our fingers on the count of three, will the music start? It it, it, it yeah, always does. It always does. Let's see if is tonight the night it doesn't happen. I don't. You know. never know. Let's see. Ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Well, there it is. Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. It's been a good night. It has been a good night. Whether you're from Remulac or from France, thank you for tuning in tonight. Make sure to tune in next time for Drag Me to Hell from Sam Remy. I'm looking forward to this. I know I there's do. A, I know there's a curse and and that's about and it. Some, some and hell. stuff. And hell, yeah. And hell. Yeah. <laughs> Hell's a drag. <laughs> so, <laughs> take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus form. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side.